I think the highlight of the week has to be a simple cranioplasty. And although it was a, a cranioplasty is where I put the skull back on somebody, and you might be like, why, why did the skull come off of somebody? Well, Hi everybody, I'm Dr. Larson, Jeffrey Larson, neurosurgeon, and this is podcast On Call with Dr. Larson. I, I can take you through the week. I can tell you what call, call starts for me on a Monday, 7 a.m. on a Monday, and what I've taken to doing is squeezing in some elective outpatient surgeries on that Monday because generally I have a cushion. I usually work it out with the surgeon that's transferring off to me. He or she are gonna make rounds and close out their week of call during that time their presence should this an, an emergency that requires immediate attention come in so I take the opportunity to get some patients um, who need surgery into the outpatient center where I can do their their surgeries efficiently uh, get them home and then uh, resume whatever the hospital brings me so I'm sure we'll talk more sometime about what outpatient surgery is all about because it really is becoming more and more popular and we're able to do more rigorous surgeries in the outpatient setting, which is wonderful for anybody who needs surgery. During the call week, I generally don't schedule other elective surgeries because you have to be ready for whatever comes in, and it's a seven-day stretch, so I'll plan to, to, to hone in. I like to exercise, I like to try to eat. I sometimes fast during that time to stay, stay hungry, stay well, and uh, I do some administrative work, and this, you know, over the course of my call life, I've seen so many head injuries, so many strokes, so many, so many, uh, you know, taken out so many tumors and so, have seen so much brain damage, literally, that you, you start to wonder what you can do afterward. You see these patients post-operatively and what I'm hearing more about, and you may be as well, is neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity is the regrowth and reorganization, the revitalization of of neurons, of nerve structures, of the brain. And it used to be thought that this can only happen in, in young persons, but I think research has, accept, has shown and is now accepted that neuroplasticity can carry on into adult life. So forward thinking, you know, preparing, the, preparing your brain for aging might be in play with some of the same treatments that invoke neuroplasticity. This call week picked up more so than last one. It's, the hospitals opened up a little bit more. There's more. We're still restricted because of the volume of COVID patients that we have in our hospital and the resources that we can. The, the beds, essentially, we don't have. We, we don't have hospital beds readily available all of the time. We have been doing a great job treating emergencies that present to us. Everybody involved at my hospital has been so awesome at doing that. Um, and uh, but so it's it's picked up some. More OR space has opened up and. I had a uh, collection of trauma patients, uh, two head injuries, both requiring both, uh, one subdural hematoma and one epidural hematoma. Both patients had surgery. One was during the daytime, one was in the wee hours. It was a uh, kind of 12.30 a.m. surgery. And uh, I got a call from the emergency room from a, from a, a doctor, a, actually a physician's assistant who I know quite well, very, very, very competent, excellent physician assistant. He, uh, he, he had a patient that presented the day before with a migraine type headache 
and then just quickly deteriorated and came back to the emergency room. When she presented with her migraine headache the day before, it was, it was to the, a clinic. She came to the emergency room when she deteriorated, and, and she continued to deteriorate right in front of him. And the clinic, he, he got a CT scan, and it showed what's called a chronic subdural hematoma. So normally these aren't under such acute pressure that something happens fast. Normally with a chronic subdural hematoma, there's been a little vein that's been torn that drains the, the brain, and there's a slow collection of blood outside the brain, inside the skull, inside the dura, and it's just this slow, slow bleed. So the patient generally becomes sleepy or confused or difficulty speaking or just not themselves that leads to getting a CAT scan. And normally that can be treated with a small burr hole or sometimes a small craniotomy. But in this case, she had this same chronic appearing subdural hematoma, but something triggered it that night to the point where delaying it to the next morning was not possible, so I came in and again, this hospital has the trauma activation system down like that. So even in the midst of difficult resources and uh, ORs, you know, limitations, I had the patient up in the operating room quick, got the subdural hematoma out, and you know, let her sleep through the night. And by morning, she was awake, doing well, eating, back to normal. So that was a, a good save and uh, felt good for everybody involved, and especially the patient. Also treated some spine fractures. I think the highlight of the week has to be a simple cranioplasty. And although it was a, a cranioplasty is where I put the skull back on somebody. And you might be like, why, why did the skull come off of somebody? Well, young man, 17 years old, he was with his mom and brother. And they were at a park in uh, Post Falls, Idaho known for rock climbing. He wasn't rock climbing, but they were around this site and he was scrambling and his brother watched him fall and fall straight down 30 feet onto his skull, onto his head. And it was a long extrication to get him out of there. You know, I, 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 I took him to the operating room. I, he needed to go to the operating room to save his life. His skull was cracked open. His brain was expelling from the skin, from the skull. This was a very, very, and he was in a coma. So. He had a skull fracture, he had a brain injury, he had a epidural hematoma. The, the part of the brain that was injured is called the right temporal lobe. So I'm gonna tell you about this case and then we're gonna go into kind of an interesting topic called hemispheric lateralization, how the brain's divided. So the right temporal lobe is thought to be the, the least important, if you will, part of the brain, but we'll get into that in a little bit because actually it may be super, super important. And uh, anyhow, this kid had a, uh, this young man had a uh, temporal lobe injury. He had enough pressure in his head that he was in a coma, took him to surgery and to, to treat it all the, the damaged brain, debrided some of the, the bone out of the brain, repaired any bleeding areas, areas took out any absolutely injured brain to make some room and then left the skull off so that the, it, when in the swelling process, this, this swelling would go external instead of internal. After doing all of that, the patient had to be sent to the pediatric hospital uh, in Spokane because we don't have a pediatric ICU and technically he's considered pediatrics. Six weeks later, I get a phone call from the neurosurgeon there saying, hey, your patient is now walking, he had a tracheostomy that they were about to pull, he was talking, he made a recovery. And, and she thought that he was really going to make it normal. So I said, that's great. You know, now the process would be to, to 
put that bone back in. The bone was, by the way, sitting in the freezer in my hospital. That's, that's what happens. You take the bone out, it's got to sit at, you can go in two places. You can place it into the patient's abdomen, kind of like under the skin, or more recently we're doing things like just freezing it sterilely. So we have a, ster a, freezer, a freezer that allows us to do sterile freeze at negative 80 degrees Celsius. That's super cold, so it, it stays viable. The time to put that back in is when all the swelling's down. So if you think about that, just the brain, you got a left hemisphere and you have a right hemisphere. You have a right temporal lobe injury. You have this skull that's out. There's this young man who's in the growth phase of his life. I mean, he's a strong kid. He's got a great heart. He's, everything's working well on his kid. And he gets his brain injury. So he's set up to heal and he does. And the, he, now he's got to get used to, he's wearing a helmet as he's got this defect in his skull. The skin's covering it, but there's this, still this puffy area of skin and brain right there. It's when the swelling goes down enough that you actually can see a concavity. That's when it's time to put it back in. So he walked into my office last week and it was super touching for me because he walked into my office and he's like, so Dr. Larson, how are you? I said, I'm well, how are you? I saw his mom and the last time I saw her was in the waiting room before he got transferred, you know, to the, so the, the look of fear in her eyes to the, to the look of, uh, you know, happiness was, was very, very heartfelt. This is a save for everybody. He said, you know, thank you for what you did. And I said, you're welcome. Would you like me to put your skull back in? He said, yes. So right there, we, I, 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 you've heard me say many times, you learn neuroanatomy stroke by stroke. Right there, what I witness is a right temporal lobe that is functioning. It may not be full capacity, but it is functioning. In the, in the lateralization of the hemispheres, in the right-left hemisphere here, whereas the left hemisphere is responsible for, in, in the left temporal lobe, lobe, speech, conceptualized knowledge, the right temporal lobe is more intuitive perception. So think of it this way. In both of these takes on the world, Intuitive perception from the right and conceptualized knowledge from the left are necessary for day-to-day -day function. They need to interact. They're separate and they need to be separate, but they need to interact. His was, his was interacting. He came in, he had the perception that I'm Dr. Larson. He thanked me. And then we talked about what was gonna to have to happen next. He had his conceptualized knowledge. So there's lateralization of the brain there. And in his, the right temporal lobe was doing its thing, at least in part. Some think it's felt that the, the idea starts in the right temporal lobe. It then goes off to the left where it's formulated. A plan is formulated, a very objective plan is formulated, and then it's sent back to the right temporal lobe where the final overall gestalt kind of feeling is delivered. This right-left-right right progression that I watched is what, what started in the right temporal lobe, got sent to the left, and then back to the right for final decision and the guy executed the speech that came from the left properly to the, with the perception he picked up from being in a room. The temporal, lobe, the temporal lobes, both right and left, work together and allow us to assign meaning to the world around us and to interact with it. And I witnessed him doing that. So it felt pretty good that he had the, either the plasticity, the neuroplasticity to recover that or reassign those damaged parts of the brain Again, making me think, wow, how do we bring this to the masses? How do we help? How do I help this? I really want to. And so a plan for me to participate in that, that helped.
That's, that's one of the things Dr. Larson wants to do in 2022. One of the more objective things that the, the right temporal lobe is responsible for is, is facial recognition or visual recognition. And inability to do that is called agnosia. You can't recognize somebody. You can't recognize somebody. You can't even recognize a face. Um, and if you can't recognize a face, then you don't, you, I mean, you can't recognize somebody. And if you can't recognize a facial expression, then you're socially awkward because you don't know what that means. You know, you don't, you're watching somebody interact and the facial expression is such a big part of it. And he had a little bit of that. After I, I did his cranioplasty, so he came to the hospital. It was great. I mean, when he showed up in the hospital, everybody, they kind of got wind he was coming there, sort of like this, coming to see him. You know, our, our, our hero, our, our hero came home and he's, here we are, we're gonna, he wanted to go home the next day. He woke up right away. He asked how many plates and screws were in his head. Again, great um, perception of what was going on and great speech to articulate it. So this right-left-right right progression was working in him. He had a little bit of, I rounded on him twice, and he had, you know, maybe didn't recognize me right away each time, so maybe some agnosia a little bit. But overall, I would say that he, things were slowed. He had to think more or it took longer for the progression to occur. But he was very appropriate and very articulate, and he ended up going home on post-operative day two. And uh, we look forward to him making a, a continued recovery. And now we have to watch for the perioperative complications. Infection is probably the biggest one. You get with his skull being put back in, second opening, in what was at one time a dirty wound, there could be a indolent bacteria in there, something that's quiet, just sitting there. And uh, so you can't control that, but you can really do your best to try to prevent that. So you do a, a big cleanup, you do antibiotics, and um, just make sure all, everything is very, very, very clean as you're doing it. So that was a very, very, very rewarding part of the call week. There was really no, no, uh, you know, no, I mean, it was a, a very rewarding part of the call week. It wasn't a full-blown operating every night kind of call week, but having, having this patient come back to have the cranioplasty done, getting to, again, you know, I learn every day and I got to learn from him. You know, I got to learn, again, think about later, uh, hemispheric lateralization, probably a new word for most of you, if not all of you out there listening to this. I know a couple that will know what that is. It's hot on their minds. Um, but the uh, learning, seeing the right temporal lobe and the left temporal lobe in action, watching the plasticity, the neuroplasticity, how motivated am I now to, 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 to have more people recover like that? So let's look for that in 2022. But this, is, this was my call week. It's finished. I get some rest now. It's time for me to move on to some other things. Until next time, I'm Dr. Larson. Thank you for watching.